Great big ears you have, Nick. All the better to hear my voice. What great big eyes you have, Nick. All the better to see your friend Mike. The Big Bad Wolf, just in time for this holiday season. A story or stories similar, foreboding and telling the danger of the monster that lay in the dark. Only, in this case, unlike Red Riding Hood, this terror is true. A wolf, a monster, the devil himself. Either way, this creature would kill and terrorize people for years, leading to hysteria, bounty hunters, and a king himself getting involved. But before I tell you about the beast of Gavudon, Nick, how are you and what are you drinking? I'm doing great. I just got a Bud Light here. What do you got? Well, don't wolf your drink down too fast, Nick. See what I did there? Oh, no, I saw it. <laughs> I'm drinking some Clyde Myers and, well, we are traveling back into a, a country in an era that is quite familiar with chaos, fighting, and overall death. France in the 1700s. I do want to state, before I get into it, like many stories throughout the ages, things get exaggerated and stories differ depending on who is telling the story. I tried to find and now tell the most accurate of the tale. Nonetheless, this is the tale of the Beast of Gavoudon. It is the summer 1764, near a town called Lagon, which is in eastern part Gavoudon. Gavoudon itself is in south-central France. This region is now in the department of Lorenze, but at the time, it was Gavoudon. And our story starts with a woman by the name of Marie Janet Ballet. One day, Marie was tending to her cattle by the Maricourt Forest when a beast emerged. But this beast was different. It was no normal predator. In Maria's own words, and I quote, Like a wolf, yet not a wolf. The beast began to approach her and her cattle. Fear consumed all until the bulls in her herd began to charge the beast, taking two full charges to scare the beast away. This creature, still hungry, still craving humans, and just driven away, would attack again, taking the first recorded victim a few months later. On June 30th, a 14-year-old girl by the name of Janet Bollet, who was watching her livestock, would be attacked by the beast. Only this time, there'd be no near-death escape. Janet would die by the monster's jaws. The nearby villagers, though saddened by the young girl's death, did not see this beast as a threat, thinking two attacks is not a pattern. And you must remember for the time, death is common, and animals still live amongst men. Two attacks is not a major call for concern, but little did the villagers know, the beast's hunger was yet to be quenched. On August 8th, another girl was attacked, surviving long enough to say her last words to a stranger, describing the animal that attacked her as... A horrible beast before succumbing to her wounds. Through the rest of the year, 1764, attacks on lone individuals attending their livestock kept on concurring. By December, there had been more than seven attacks and deaths. So, needless to say, by December, the people were kind of worried. These killings weren't just a hungry wild animal. Apparently, many of the killings, the people who were attacked by this mysterious creature, weren't even eaten, just lacerated and mauled. Apparently, people would find the body's parts partially eaten, heads or limbs sometimes multiple yards away, and blood scattered all over the place. Which, like many people, including myself, led to think it was a wolf. Wolves are known to be serial killers and kill for fun. But by all accounts of the people who witnessed and lived in this area, it isn't just a wolf. And these people are familiar with wolves. 
Yes, a wolf would occasionally kill livestock, but never a person. And since these farmers and villagers grew up with wolves, they knew how to scare them off, how to make them avoid people. They knew the inner workings. Only this time their methods weren't working, which drew even more concern to the townsfolk that this wasn't just a single big bad wolf. It was a witch. Not quite. Not quite. Also, the people of this area figured there had to be more than one of these beasts, simply because the amount of attacks in such a short period. This would weigh in and out of favor of story being a pack or a single animal. Either way, bodies started dropping and people soon became frantic. Then, on January 12th, 1765, eight people were attacked by the beast. Surviving multiple charges, the group of people were able to fend off the beast. I don't know about you, Nick, but most animals, especially predator animals, don't attack large groups, especially solo. So this even strikes me as odd. The beast description kept changing, almost like the beast itself could transform. All the sightings have the creature being wolf-like, but not exactly a wolf. Some stated that the animal had red fur and a black stripe along its back. I just, it seems like Monty Python's like, it's a, it's a killer rabbit. It's got fangs like this. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, word of mouth would soon spread. And I mean, I'll have to be honest with you, Nick. The, the creatures that were thrown into the mix range from lions to hyenas. Now, that's not entirely impossible. Hell, a Norwegian king one time brought a polar bear to England. So losing a hyena or lion in France, it's not impossible. Eventually, out of the fear and terror, the church would get involved, making things much worse. The church would incite more fear into the people rather than helping the people, saying that the monster was sent by God to punish men for their sins, and that the children, women, and men being attacked were all sinners. This caused more panic, and fear spread throughout like a plague. Spreading with the fear was the word of the beast. Because the attacks were so frequent, and the beast described so differently compared to what everyone else in France was familiar with, word of mouth quickly spread throughout all of France. The news of this monster and its bloodlust made it all the way to King Louis XV. King Louis, sometimes better well known as Louis the Well-Beloved, decided the best way to help his people in southern France was to put a ward for killing this monster. 300 levers would be given to the killer of the beast, which at the time was about a person's yearly salary. 350 levers would be divided amongst those who helped kill the beast. And as a cherry on top, the slayer of the mountain would also receive a free education paid by the government. I don't know about you, Nick, but if I was a poor man living in France and a year's salary and getting an education was up for grab, in a time where education was rare, hell, sign me up. I'll fight that beast. Yeah, I bet a lot of people just, I don't know, would you? But if you were in the area and your, your friends have just been getting fucked up, are you going to go out there and, and fight it? How does that work if it's a group? Do you all get one education or do you have to split it? The killer gets the education. Whoever actually does the final blow got the education and the 300. The three, If you were a group of 10, the non people who are helping you would get the split of 350. Not to leave monster killing in the hands of amateurs, Captain Demol of the Claremont Prince Dragoons and some of his troops would be sent to the area to find and kill the beast. To bolster his forces, the captain and the villagers would gather volunteers to help kill the beast. They would gather around twenty to 30,000 people to hunt the single creature. For seven months, Captain Demol and his gathered forces would try to kill the monster. 
all while killings by the beast were still happening to innocent people. Apparently, Dumal and some of his men would dress as women, trying to fool the beast. No luck. They used bait, traps, poison, everything they could think of. Still no luck. Apparently, they came close multiple times to shooting the creature, which started rumors that the creature was bulletproof and as cunning as the devil himself. But being bulletproof actually might be a thing. I'll explain later. These failed attempts of trying to hunt down the monster fed into the hysteria of fear that was consuming the people. And it fed directly into the newspapers, which were having a field day writing about this monster. Hundreds of articles would be written, dozens of depictions drawn. And if you get the time, I recommend looking at the drawings and artwork. It is straight out of a horror film or a Brothers Grimm story. Well, after seven months, Captain Jamal and his team having no luck, they were removed due to conflict with the team the King of France himself brought in. Two professional wolf hunters, one by the name of John Charles Marc Anton Vamelese de Avon and his son, Jean Frasquis. Captain Jamal wanted to use numbers and force, the father and son team wanted to use stealth. With no results and different plans, the captain was forced to return as a failure. The two men the king brought in were father and son wolf hunters. They would spend four months hunting the southern region of France for this monster, who was still killing all this time. The wolf hunters would kill multiple wolves, most likely Eurasian wolves, based on the descriptions, and they kept saying this was the beast. Then the killings would continue, the team would go out, kill another wolf, and they would say, this is the beast. Killings would happen again. Needless to say, they were hunting wolves, not the monster. Eventually, King Louis got tired of this and put an award of 10,000 pounds on the creature's head. And by June 1765, tasked his personal lieutenant of the hunt to put an end to this madness. His lieutenant of the hunt would be Francois Antoine. Antoine, a skilled hunter, and... Royal Bank backing him up would mark this hunt probably to its end, once and for all, or one would think. More months would go by, and winter was slowly coming. Anton was getting nervous. If he didn't get the monster before winter, it meant that he failed. He failed the king, his own reputation would be destroyed, and the king's reputation would be tarnished. Not a great spot to be in. He, in he intensified his hunting. Then, on either September 20th or 21st, conflicting dates, Anton would kill a large gray wolf, weighing about 130 pounds. The body was examined, stuffed, and sent to Versailles. And the body would eventually make it all the way to King Louis' court. Although, when the body was examined, they found no human remains in his stomach or intestines. Nonetheless, such a large wolf killed, Anton was cleared a hero. His fame and fortune increased because so. He would stay a few more months to hunt down any spawn of this beast. And, in that time, he would kill a female wolf and her two grown pups, who were believed to be the mate and spawn of the, of the beast. One of the pups had a rare hereditary mal malformation. It had double-set dew claws. A malformation usually found in Bas Rouge dog breeds. Keep this a note, for it may be important. So after killing the supposed beast, and the beast's mate, and its two pups, Anton would return to Paris as a hero of France. And for a little while, it seems like he did truly kill the beast. 
but there were a few issues with the quote-unquote monster he slayed. One, like I said, no humans were found in this wolf. I mean, are the humans just supposed to, like, hang out, the remains just going to hang out in this wolf forever? What if he didn't eat them right away? Well, it's a, it's a fair assessment, but based on how quickly and how many attacks there were, you would suspect that humans were its main food source. A second caveat is only one witness agreed that this was the beast that had been attacked and seen. And thirdly, which is kind of most important to me, during his months of hunting, he would move farther away from the land where this beast supposedly was to slay a wolf that is quite a distance. Some would may argue too far for the initial killings. Then, on December 2nd, 1765, a short while after Anton returned to Paris, two boys, ages 6 and 12, were attacked. Soon, more attacks, and more attacks, and more attacks. It seems like the attacks were ramping up. More than a dozen deaths were reported by the hands of the beast since Anton left. Still attacking majority of the same people, isolated single farmers and herders, targeting mostly women and children, but the occasional man. The people told the king that this beast had returned, and that the, his man did not kill the right monster. The king did not care. To him, the matter was done, and no longer the crown's problem. Even the newspapers, after Anton's supposedly victory, stopped writing about the most recent killings. The villagers were left where they started. Alone, in danger, and no one to help them out but themselves. A local hunter decided that he will take up the challenge of trying to end this tyranny that had been plaguing his homeland. Or, he would be forced into a scenario which he had no choice but to fight. The history is not so clear. The hunter's name was John Castell. John was actually part of the initial hunt for the monsters, but was thrown in prison because he led the king's men into a bog after chasing the monster. But eventually, in between, John would be released and return to the hunt. And in June 1767, he was part of an organized hunt by a local nobleman, Marquis de Alpachir. During this organized hunt, John and the hunting party would hear of another attack by the beast. Hearing this, they would attempt to chase it down. On June 19th, while tracking through the woods near Montmanchet, which is now La Sangre de Vaux, Jean would see the beast, would take aim, and fire. The experienced hunter did not miss. He killed this creature. Upon examination, was another large wolf, or so they thought. After cutting open this creature John just killed, they would find human remains, and no more killings would occur. Though, the wolf still wasn't a wolf. People keep saying it's wolf-like. They don't know exactly what it is. And after three years of the beast, now apparently slayed, not by an army, not by professional hunters, nor by the king's own men, but by a local hunter, the tyranny had ended. This creature had killed in the three-year span somewhere between 60 to 500 people and injured dozens more. The exact number is too shrouded in fear to know the truth, but based on my research, it's definitely most likely at least three figures. But again, this creature they just killed was just a wolf, right? Well, this is where it gets complicated once again. Rabbit. <laughs> well... The hunter used a musket, not a holy hand grenade, so... Oh, that's true. You have to remember this time period. Most people are not well-educated, the transfer of communication is limited, and the world is getting more and more connected each passing day. 
What we do know for certain is it's definitely canine-like, possibly big cat. But the exact species is where we get to speculation. For those who saw the beast, they described it as wolf-like, which is odd in my book because the people know what wolves are and, and deal with wolves. To be honest, many of the descriptions describe a beast not native to France. The first most accepted idea is that it was a pack of wolves or wolf dogs, not just a single beast doing all these killings. And people's imagination, fear, newspapers made it bigger than life, which seems plausible. Which, again, having people's imagination, fear, newspapers make something bigger than life wouldn't be the first time, nor would be the last time. The reason why I say wolf dog is the color described by the survivors and the mutation found on the pups that Anton killed it could be explained by interbreeding between wolves and dogs to give it a different color pattern than traditional wolves and a hereditary mutation. Another theory is that it was the hunter's John Costell's own animal was the beast. Yes, the same man who killed the monster. For he owned a red-colored mastiff who would wear armored hide to protect itself from boars, which could have made it bulletproof, make it look strange for the armor it was wearing, could have made it a very viable creature to attack since it's trained to hunt boars. Was it just a rabid hunting dog who happened to be armored? We don't know. Another theory, which, I'll be honest, seems far-fetched, but sometimes the truth is stranger than fiction. That it was an exotic animal. That it actually could have been a lion or hyena. Like I said, the world's getting smaller. People are moving animals around. Maybe it was just a strange creature in a strange land, having no idea where it was, chose to survive by attacking humans. And I'll have to be honest, reading multiple descriptions of the survivors and people with witnesses, it fits lion pretty well. Uh, granted, it also kind of fits hyena kind of well because a main picture was it was furry, but it had a poof on its tail, which, and it's red and tannish in nature, and it has a black stripe. This all kind of fits those two animals very well. But also... European royalty did love their lions. That is true. And I imagine if I grew up in the same village and I'm going to live and die in, not having an education, not be able to read and write, and all of a sudden a lion comes up, I'm like, well, I know what a wolf is. That just looks like a big wolf that's tan. Like, that that makes sense to me. I feel like this is the earliest case, or not the earliest case, I'm sure there's earlier ones, of of someone getting an exotic pet and then not being able to keep it. I mean... Do you see all the the lions on all the crests? It's it's like this this magnificent beast. It defines who I am. I've never seen one before, but it's you can tell it's it's royalty. I'm sure some some monarch got one shipped over, got it. Was like this is awesome, and then it started killing everyone. It's like oh, let's get rid of this. Just put it out in the countryside. Let it kill the peasants. <laughs> And it's like, oh, yeah, there's a mysterious beast out there. No idea where it came from. Well, speaking of mysterious beasts, there's another animal possibility that has been researched by historians, and it is a possibility. Though, to me, this is a bit far-fetched, but it's one of my favorite animals ever to existed, so I need to talk about it. Another foreign creature that has been hypothesized, which threw me for a loop, was the beast itself was a Tasmanian tiger or a pack of them imported from to France from Australia and escaped. As crazy as this sounds, Tasmanian tigers are canine-like, though they're technically marsupials. They are, and I can see their coat being mistaken for tannish red, 
They have black stripes. They can open their jaw wide enough where it even catches me off guard. I can't imagine what would go through the mind of an uneducated child farmer, which I don't, again, I think it's most likely probably a lion or hyena, but it is, it is weird that the possibility of a Tasmanian tiger terrorizing France in the 1700s is a possibility. But there's one more possibility. The Bigfoot. Well, you are kind of half right. It is humanoid. It's, it's, it, was, it was a serial killer dressing as a beast or using a trained beast to kill people in the country. Would explain why the creature was so elusive and why some bodies weren't even eaten. The serial killer using an attack animal to do their killing wouldn't be the first time, I imagine. And would explain why it was so hard to find and killing so often. The monster wasn't killing for food. It was killing because it was commanded to. All after being done, hidden away at home. For none to see. Either way, whether it be lion, wolf, or man, the beast of Gavudon would take many lives and haunt multiple generations. Many stories and tall tales would come from this beast, some tales which still live today. And as years go by, many of the details get more exaggerated. The number of deaths, again, somewhere between 60 to 500. All those animals could do that. It is all feasible. And some information when researching this, from the 16th century to the start of the 19th century, more than 9,000 fatalities across France would be simply because of wolves. So what's one lone wolf? Or one lone wolf pack. Just a little bit extra. Just a little bit extra hungry for human flesh. Many of us forget in our nice warm homes or air-conditioned cars how much the world has changed. No more do many of us be concerned with a pack of wolves coming for us in the middle of the night. No more do many of us be scared of the animals around our towns. So let the beast of Gavudon be a warning. What lays in the dark may lay for thee. But that is it for the Beast of Gavudon, a tale-turned myth, but stems from truth. I also wanted to point out, I did not include every survivor's story, award, or tale dealing with this beast, but they range from children using sticks and homemade pikes to fend for themselves, to people firing musket bolts at the creature. Needless to say, three years, an entire country was enthralled with one monster. It creates a lot of stories. So this season, and all year round, just remember, the creature that lurks in the dark may be no ordinary animal, but a creature with a taste for human flesh. With that being said, thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.